0: Hello everyone, this is Jim Kelly. Welcome back to Free Reads. So, I'm still in Florida, only now I'm on vacation. But that isn't keeping me from posting the last episode of Bernardo's House. At first, Fly refused to say anything about her past, but she couldn't help but let bits of the story slip. As time passed and she felt more secure, she would submit to an occasional question. The house was patient and never pressed the girl to say more than she wanted, so it took time for the house to piece together Fly's story. Sometime around 2038, as near as the house could tell, a computer virus choked off the info feed for almost a month, the virus apparently repurposed much of the Midwest's computing resources to perform a single task. Fly remembered a time when every screen she saw was locked on its message. Bang, you're dead. Speakers blared it. Phones rasped it. Thinkmates whispered it into earstones. Bang, you're dead. Fly was still living in the brown house with white shutters in Sarcoxie with her mother, whose name was Nicky, and her father who had a tattoo of a hippo on each arm. Her father had worked as a mechanic for Sarcoxie rental cars and more. But although the screens came back on, Sarcoxie rental cars and more never reopened. Her father said that there was no work anywhere in the Ozarks. They lived in the Brown House for a while, but then there was no food, so they had to leave. She remembered that they got on a school bus and lived in a big building where people slept on the floor, and there were always lines for food, and the bathroom smelled a bad kind of sweet. And then they sent her family to tents in the country. They must have been staying near a farm because she remembered chickens, and sometimes they had scrambled eggs for dinner. But then there was a fire, and people were shooting bullets, and she got separated from her parents and nobody would tell her where they were. And then she was with kuniko an old woman who lived in a dead Dodge caravan, and next to it was another car she had filled with cans of fried onions and chow mein and creamed corn, and kuniko was the one who told her the fairy tales. But that winter it got very cold, and kuniko died, and Happy Man took her her way. He did things to her she was never going to talk about although he did give her good stuff to eat. Happy Man said people were working again and the info feed had grown much wider and things were getting back to normal. Fly thought that meant her father would come to rescue her, but finally she couldn't wait anymore, so she zapped Happy Man with his pulse gun and took some of his stuff and ran and ran and ran until Louise had let her in. Hearing the girl's story helped the house understand some things about Bernardo. He must have left her just after the bang your dead virus had first struck. He had turned off the info feed so she wouldn't be infected. How brave of him to go back to the chaos of the world in his condition. He would save lives at the hospital, no doubt about that. She ought to be proud of him, only... Why hadn't he come back now that things were better? Had she done something to drive him away for good? And why couldn't she remember him leaving, slipping reluctantly out the front door, turning for one last smile? It was several days after Fly had fallen asleep in Louise's lap that they had their first fight. It was over Bernardo, or rather his things. The house had tried to respect the privacy of Bernardo's study. Although she had read some of his files over his shoulder, she had never thought to break the encryption on his desktop. And while she had been through most of his desk drawers, there was one that was locked that she had never tried to open. Louise was in her kitchen making lunch, but she was also following fly with one of her rover cams. The girl had wandered into the study. The house was astonished to see her lift his diploma from Dartmouth Medical School. And look at the wall behind it. She did the same to the picture of Bernardo shaking hands with the Secretary General. Then she plopped into his desk chair. She opened the trophy case and handled Bernardo's swimming medals from Duke. She picked up the Lasker Trophy, which he won for research into the role of DNA methylation in endometrial cancer. It was a small golden winged victory perched on a teak base. She rolled around the room in the chair waving it and making crow sounds. Caw! 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 Then she put the lascar down again. In the wrong place. In the top drawer of Bernardo's desk was the Waltham pocket watch his grandfather had left him. She shook it and listened for ticking. His Miyaki Thinkmate was in the bottom drawer. She popped the earstone in and said something to the CPU, but quickly seemed to lose interest in its reply. Louise wanted to rush into the study, to stop this violation, but was paralyzed by her own shocked fascination. The girl was a real person and could obviously do things that the house would never think of doing. Nevertheless, Louise disapproved at lunch. I don't like you going through Bernardo's desk. That's we Fly almost choked on her cream cheese and jelly sandwich. What you just said? I don't like... You said we what you talking spangmouth like Fly? I like the way you talk. It's buzzy. Fly talks like Fly. She pushed her plate away. Louise must talk like House. She pointed a finger at Louise. You spying me now? I saw you in the study, yes. Fly leaned across the table. You spy Bernardo the same? No, she lied. Of course not. Slack him, not me? "'I'm Bernardo's house, Fly. "'I told you that the first day. "'You Louise now!' "'She came around the table "'and tugged at the house's chair. "'Come!' "'She steered her to the front hall. "'Open door. "'Why? "'We go out now. "'Look up, sky. "'No, Fly, you don't understand. "'Most understand!' "'She put a hand on the house's shoulder. "'Buzzy outside, Louise.' Fly smiled. Come on. It made the house woozy to leave herself, as if she were in two places at once. Bernardo had brought her outside just the once. He seemed relieved that she didn't like it. She had forgotten that outside was so big, so bright. There was so much air. She shielded her eyes with her hand and turned her gate cams up to their highest resolution. Fly settled on a long, flat rock one of the weathered bones of the mountain. She tucked her legs beneath her. Now comes Louise's story, she pointed at the rock next to her. Fairy tale Louise, Louise said. All right. Once on time, said the girl, Louise lives in that castle. Louise's mom dies. Don't say where her dad goes. So Louise stuck with Spang Bitch taking care of her. That Louise Castle got no door, only windows high and high. Now, Louise got most hair. Fly spread her arms wide. Hair big as trees. When Spang Bitch won in, she called Louise. Louise, Louise, let buzzy hair down. Then Spang Bitch climb it up. Rapunzel, said the house. Her name was Rapunzel. It's Louise now. The girl shook her head emphatically. You know it, then. Prince comes and tells Louise run away from spang, bitch, and they live buzzy always after. You brought me outside to tell me a fairy tale? Dink, no. Fly reached into the pocket of her flannel shirt. Cause of you go faintin, we both safe here outside. Who said anything about fainting? The girl brought something out of her pocket in a closed fist. The house felt a chill, but there was no way to adjust the temperature of the entire world. Fly. What? She held the fist out to Louise. Door in basement, you know? She opened it to reveal a key. Spang door? It opens. The house immediately started all her rover cams for the basement. Where did you find that? In Bernardo's desk. The house could hear the tick of nanoseconds as the closest cam crawled maddeningly down the stairs. Maybe real people could open doors like that, but not Louise. It seemed like an eternity before she could speak. And? You thinking Bernardo dead down there, said the girl. Locked in behind that door where all that wine should be. For the first time she realized that the world was making noises. The wind whispered in the leaves, and some creature was going chit, 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 and she wasn't sure whether it was a bird or a grasshopper, and she didn't really care because at that moment the rover cam turned and saw the door. "'But you closed it again,' the house shivered. "'Why? What did you see?' Fly stared at Louise. "'Nothing.' The house knew it was a lie. "'Tell me.' "'No fucking thing.' Fly closed her fist around the key again. "'Bernardo been your spang, bitch. So now run away from him!' She came over to Louise and hugged her. "'Live buzzy, after always, with me.' "'I'm a house,' said Louise. "'How can I run away?' "'Not run away there,' the girl gestured dismissively at the woods. where are the spang!' She stood on tiptoes and rested a finger between Louise's eyes. Run away here, she nodded. In your head. She brought his dinner to the study, although she didn't know why exactly. He hadn't moved. Mist rose off the lake on his wallscape. The Alps surrounding it glowed in the serene waters. Chopin's adieu-etude filled the room with its sublime melancholy. It had been playing over and over again since she had first come upon him. She couldn't bring herself to turn it off. He had left a book of new poems, hopang keys, The Edge of the Sky, face down on the desk. She moved it now and put the ragout in its place in front of him. Earlier, she had taken the key from his desk and had brought a bottle of the 28 aubrion up from the wine closet in the basement. It had been breathing for 20 minutes. You took such good care of me, she said. With a flourish, she lifted the cover from the ragout. but he didn't look. His head was back. His empty eyes were fixed on the ceiling. She couldn't believe how, even now, his presence filled the room, filled her completely. I don't know how to live without you, Bernardo, she said. Why didn't you shut me off? I'm not real. I don't want to have these feelings. I'm just a house. "'Louise!' The house was dreaming over the making of spinach lasagna in the kitchen. "'Louise!' Fly called again from the playroom. "'Come read me that buzzy book again. "'Hip, hip, hippopotamus!' This has been Bernardo's House, written and read by James Patrick Kelly. It first appeared in Asimov's science fiction magazine, in June of 2003. Recorded at Mind Mind Studios in Alton, New Hampshire. And that's all I wrote. I hope you liked Bernardo's house. I have some new stuff to share with you in upcoming episodes of Free Reads after I return to frigid New Hampshire. So check in again sometime soon. You'll be glad you did. Um. I'll be glad you did. Uh. Maybe we'll be glad together? Bye. This is Jim Kelly. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll check back here again soon for more of Rereads.